You ready? morning everybody hope you're all doing well if you want to stand up we'll pray and sing some hallelujah songs father we love you we thank you for the sunshine for this time together for this weekend um, as we gather in your name this morning we give this time to you we praise you we're here for you and you alone god so we pray that everything that happens in this place this morning is for you and for your kingdom uh, i just pray for all the lives here, um, that no matter what we're going through, that we see you in all of it and just have faith that you are with us always. Uh, we praise you for that. We praise you for bringing uh, the Moors back. Pray for Leonard today as he preaches. Just give us uh, ears to hear what you're saying through him today. Uh, we pray for the youth, all the, the young lives that are being affected up there, and we thank you for the volunteers. And uh, just again, we just give this morning to you, God, and we praise you. Your love is amazing, steady and unchanging. Your love is a mountain firm beneath my feet. Your love is a mystery, how you gently lift me. When I am surrounded, your love carries me. And hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Your love is surprising. I can feel it rising. All the joy that's growing deep inside of me. And every time I see you, all your goodness shines through I can feel this God song rising up in me and hallelujah 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 your love makes me sing hallelujah 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 your love Thy the glory, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thy the glory, revive us again. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died in now gone above hallelujah thy the glory hallelujah amen hallelujah thy the glory revive us again we praise thee oh god for thy spirit 
has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, by the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, by the glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain, who has borne all our sins and has cleansed every stain. Hallelujah, by the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, by the glory. Revive us again. Revive us again, fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. All glory and praise to the God of all grace, who has brought us and sought us and guided our ways. Hallelujah. Thy the glory, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thy the glory, revive us again. Hallelujah, thy the glory, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thy the glory, revive us again. Maybe see the kids, you can go up to the youth wing. All right, you guys a little winded after that? Brian was really keeping pace there. He kind of got us going, and then he just stopped. So I'll try to keep that momentum going a little bit uh, if I can, but it's really not up to me. It's actually up to the Lord and uh, the stuff that he's doing in this room. Are you guys hot, cold, medium, hot? Warm. I knew I was walking into a minefield when I asked that question. I don't even know how to operate the air, to be honest with you, so you're just stuck. Probably for about 40, 50, 60, I don't know. We'll try to, we'll try to go easy. I just came back from the Smoky Mountains. So I'll tell you what, you talk about beautiful. Man, that'll recharge a battery, that's for sure. Uh, anybody ever been there before? So you guys kind of know. You guys know how to spell, spell Smoky for Smoky Mountains? How do you spell it? S-M-O-K-Y. Is it S-M-O-K-Y? I, I learned that I was a northerner. I went down there. I was texting people saying Smoky at K-E-Y. And they are probably going. <laughs> <laughs> they finally dawned on me on day seven. Oh, I've been spelling that wrong should pay more attention, right? So anyhow, um, how y'all doing? That's how they would approach you down there, how y'all doing. So some of that may have kind of clung to me a little bit, and if it did, I apologize up front. Yeah, but let's make this less about me and my vacation and more about the Lord and what he's doing. How's that sound? Um, Just curious, uh, 
Um, anybody have any praises this morning as we gather? I can feel the air, by the way, so that's a praise. Diane. Oh, all right. Good deal. Yeah. So that, that's really good. So Layla finally passed her GED and is signed up for college. So some steps forward there and a long process. So praise the Lord for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, any other praises that we have? Oh, there's one way back in the back. Denny. Uh, your grandson Sawyer's on the way here or on the way home? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Well, as some of you may know, uh, Denny and Alyssa had a, a new grandbaby uh, a little bit before I left on vacation. And uh, Sawyer kind of struggled a little bit, um, Erica as well. So uh, glad to hear that things are, are getting righted. And I pray that um, whatever heart issues that were going on, that God would just bring total healing there. Okay. Anyone else? Patty Pym. I just opened up uh, the floodgates here, haven't I? All right. What'd you give her for her birthday? Okay. Meaning you haven't bought it yet or what? Okay. This church can't lie, so just saying. Okay. Don't forget to get your granddaughter a birthday present. I saw one more. Yes. Carol. Did you really? Congratulations. First time grandparents. How's it feel? Great. <laughs> oh, that's good. What a blessing. Okay. So, uh, with that said, any concerns that you have that you need to lift up before the Lord? The two Dianes in tandem. So, we'll, go, we'll let you, Diane Hostetler, go first. Okay. Now, who are we talking about, Sammy? Oh, Sammy, oh, Sammy Yokely, okay. It's in the hospital with a virus, okay. Oh, my. Okay. So I just pray for, okay, so swelling in her throat. Um, so pray for Sammy Yokely. Diane. Okay. Okay. All right. So I just want to reiterate that, that announcement before we go into our prayer time. There is a ladies' gathering again, uh, which we've been sort of having, and I think it's good that they're sort of building on one another. And it's really a good way to not only just enjoy the fellowship, but to, but to connect with the Lord in, in ways that I think have been very helpful for um, all the struggles that we've all gone through, just knowing that there are other people out there sharing similar burdens and, um, and 
experiencing the same prospects of hope that we have in the Lord. So if you are a lady and you want to join on, on, on Tuesday night at 6 p.m., uh, there you go. Susie. Don't forget your puzzle pieces. Yeah. And a covered dish. You guys are making this real complicated, you know. You, you got to eat. You're okay. All right. Okay, we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that as we gather, we know that your spirit is here enabling us to not only lift up your praises and worship you and attend to the word and hear what you have to say through uh, just through a, um, an imperfect mouthpiece, Lord. I pray that the words that I say would be reflective of your desire and your intent for us in this season. I pray, Father, that as our kids gather, that they would be able to experience as well uh, your presence and hear your voice speaking to their young, um, uh, now forming lives. I thank you, Father, for the overall transformation that is happening within this body of people as we listen to you and we ask the question, Lord, what would you have us do? Where would you have us go? How, how can we follow you in 2022? And just thank you, Father, for being faithful in honoring that request. So as we take your purpose and your mission and the things that you call us to attend to, and we take uh, all of the things that we have been burdened by as we've come into this room, and we place them before your feet, we pray that in exchange that you would be at work in our hearts and our minds uniquely as you've made us fearfully and wonderfully, but also as you've uh, called us to respond in different ways to the kingdom mandate that is on each of our lives. So Lord, we thank you for the ladies gathering coming up, and I know there was lots of healing and lots of just um, comfort in what they experienced when they met last month, and I just ask that you would continue that process of walking into the life and light uh, that you've revealed to us. So bless that gathering as um, the ladies assemble, and be with Rachel especially. Father, we just sense that uh, the devil's not happy at all with the things that she's doing, and definitely they feel attacked, but yet they are faithful and they are strong, and I'm so grateful for that. But please sustain her and Brent, and, uh, and Sammy especially as she heals. Lord, we celebrate the just this milestone that Layla was able to accomplish in getting her GED and also uh, being accepted into a college setting. I just pray that you would work in that path to help her to have people in her life, to surround her, to speak uh, truth into her life in ways that um, would establish her in who she is in you. I pray, Father, for just um, any concerns that may be in this room that haven't been mentioned, that you would attend to them. And I pray for uh, us as a church uh, that as we... Um, uh, continue to uh, seek your will, uh, that you would reveal that to us. Thank you for, again for the good work that you're doing in all the lives here, and may uh, your name be glorified through uh, the walk that um, we walk alongside each other uh, as we follow you. Lord, I pray that as we tune our hearts and our minds to you, uh, help us to pray with, 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 with appropriate intent uh, the Lord's Prayer. Would you pray with me now? 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, we are going to be looking at the book of Luke. Surprise. And uh, as we do, um, we're going to be going into territory that is a little rocky. It's a little bumpy. I, I, I sat down on Tuesday morning, and I'm, I'm like, I've got to start thinking about the message on the road ahead. And I thought, wow, that's going to be a challenging passage. Uh, but hopefully, as the Lord leads us through it, we can find what, what, uh, what, what it is that he has to say to us. And that's always been my goal. And uh, it's one of those passages that I've probably avoided a lot in the past. And it has to do with the end and what that means. And I don't have some kind of special device that I can tune and calibrate properly that says, hey, this is what the end is going to look like. And there were people in Jesus' day who had that same desire. If only we could see what the end looked like. Now, we've gone through movies in the past decade on zombies. I think the zombie thing is probably over, but that was sort of a harbinger of the end. We had apocalyptic movies before then, you know, where the world gets destroyed through cataclysmic upheaval. And we've had our series of bad things that signal from Hollywood what the end's going to look like. And then there's just what we've experienced in the last few years, getting a sense of, is this the end? And I've had people ask me that, is this the end? And I honestly, I can't answer it. All I know is that um, God is in control and that whatever times that we are placed in on the timeline, he gives us the resources that we need to be able to respond to the needs of the moment. So that's a little bit of a primer, I guess, for what we're moving into. But um, it, uh, it, it, it could be bad it, because the Pharisees are saying, what, what's this going to look like? When is it going to happen? It's bad. I'll tell you what's really bad is, you know, I was at the Great Smoky Mountains. I got to drive my purple car, which I was very excited about. And I know you're tired of hearing about it, but I'll just uh, leave it at this. Um, so we're near the end of the day, and it's getting dark, and we're pulling into a, a welcome center way in the mountains, and um, as I pull up, I can't even really see that well, and, I'm, and, I'm, and there's no parking anywhere because there's tourists. Those tourists, they ruin everything. And, and so, um, so I find this one spot where electric vehicles can, can park, and it's set out of order, and I'm like, well, there aren't going to be an electric vehicle, so I'm going to park right there. So I pull in there, you know, just kind of come to a screeching halt because it was the last one before you got funneled out, and I ran over a parking curb, a big one. And I'm like, oh, because you hear the scrape. And I'm like, oh, that, that's not good. So I went from being totally peaceful and calm and relaxed to level 10 on the adrenaline. I'm like, goodness. So I go to back up, and I'm stuck. And I'm like, scrape. And the car dies. And I do this like three times. And I'm like, I've ruined my car. 
But you know what was worse? I'm here, Mayim's here, and about right here is a 10-year-old watching me like this. <laughs> and I'm like, great, I got an audience. But it gets better or worse. She goes, that's bad. <laughs> and so I try to back out, and I can't, the car dies, and she goes, hmm, that's really bad. And I try it again, try to back out, car dies. I look over at her, and she says, that's really, really bad. <laughs> I've never really thought about killing kids, ever. <laughs> but I'm looking at this kid, and I'm like, I know. I know it's bad. You don't have to tell me it's bad. I know it's bad. And she's looking at me like, what are you going to do? And I'm thinking, okay, I've got a whole lot of things that have just happened. A car that I'm very attached to is wrecked. A little kid over here is just piling on at every turn, every time I try to extract myself from the situation. And you can hear a scraping, so I'm sure everybody's hearing it. And they're probably saying, that girl said it's bad. I think it's bad. But you know... I got out of it, and it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's all fine. Maybe I'll get a new car out of the deal. Probably not. Like a new Challenger, bigger engine, faster? No, don't think so. It's more like lick your wounds, learn, from your, learn your lesson, and move on. Now, when Jesus is at this moment of having people follow him around, it's really divided up into three, three, three groups. One of them is uh, the crowds that are just ushering him into his entry into Jerusalem. There's the disciples who are saying, we're following you, we're following you, and this is really getting treacherous. And as we see things begin to escalate, there's a group of people that's saying, we don't like you. We don't like you, Jesus. And... Um, you're saying a lot of things that don't fit our world. And the Bible describes them as the Pharisees. And as they are trying to get a bead on who this Jesus is and trying to understand why it is that so many people have paid attention to him, not only that, they've responded to him in a way that, well, they haven't seen people respond to anybody. They've seen people say, Jesus, will you heal me? And these are outcasts, and he would heal them. Jesus, will you help my daughter? And these are people that are the children of our sworn enemies, the Romans. And he's seen people that had demons, and of all the unclean people that are out there, lepers. Each of them asking Jesus for help because they have no other place to turn. And Jesus does. Even though the categories that they belong to are the very categories that people said, you don't fit here. You don't belong here. You ain't from around here. One thing I say about the Smoky Mountains, nobody said you ain't from around here. It's probably pretty obvious. But there was a level of hospitality that I enjoyed. But Jesus didn't enjoy this level of hospitality from, of all people, the people that should be embracing his presence. And that was the religious people. 
And I find this to be a little bit of a cautionary tale as we go through it. Because what Jesus is doing is he's taking the teachings that really are filtered through the Old Testament and he's allowing them to come into greater, greater clarity. And as they see it, they're like, well, that's not the way we were taught. But what Jesus does to the Pharisees is the same thing that I think he does to you and I. And that is he takes some ideas that we've kind of baked in our head about who God is, and he says, those are kind of right, but I challenge you on this. i got to show something else to you. And there really are a couple of options there. One is we can just say, Jesus, I don't like you. I like you less and less because you're invading my world more and more. And maybe we do that by just saying, I'm going to withdraw from you. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just not going to engage you any more than, than I already have. And there are others who say, I'm upset, but I hear the voice of God in what you're saying, and I surrender. And Jesus is just bringing it all to a head. And in this chapter, it's actually the culmination of what he's been saying for uh, a few chapters in the course of these messages that we've had. And it just kind of boils it down to a choice. You can either go this way or you can go that way. So let's move into the text and see how that unfolds. So if you have your Bibles, looking at Luke chapter 17, uh, uh, verses 20 and following. So being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So the Pharisees have a question. When, where, how, when, where is this thing going to show up? And for people that have been paying attention, they've kind of seen it show up. But it's not in the way that they thought it would. Because in the Pharisees' mind, it will show up when Pilate is no longer the king and the Messiah comes. It'll show up when the temple is effectively built and established and ordered around God's purposes. It will show up when the pagans are shut down and we're vindicated. It'll show up when all of these signs of the recovery of blessing and prosperity happen. And Jesus, we're not seeing it. And Jesus is saying it's not really what you think. It's actually something that begins in that intangible space, but is very real. Like a leper that says, cleanse me. And then a leper coming back and saying, thank you. While others are saying, I'm cleansed, but I really don't know what just happened here. One said, I get what's going on. This is subtle, but it's dramatic. There was a, 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 a man who was demonized. And he was brought back into that space where he thought correctly and rightly about the life he'd been given. And he sensed that God had changed him. 
there were people that were in so many ways flying under the radar and God did something deeply dramatic and meaningful to them and they said they didn't say it's bad they said oh that's good that's God have you ever had God show up in the middle of something that was so painful or your back was against the wall or you were struggling deeply and God says I got you I got you and if you've ever had that which I believe even if you're thinking I don't know if God did that or not he probably did and some of you could say yeah he did it several times and in this way and it was profoundly meaningful and that's just Jesus saying, I am showing up and I'm, I'm, I'm taking the circumstances which are beyond your capacity to respond to or change and I'm doing my good work for your benefit. Very subtle, very individualized, very specific to the needs of what you were going through at that time or they were going through at that time. But it said very boldly, this is the kingdom. This is God at work. And Jesus is trying to show that to anybody who has eyes to see and ears to hear. But they're not getting it. They're thinking, hey, we're going to get the right president in there. Military is going to be doing their thing powerfully and nobody's going to stand against them. The temple's going to be perfectly in order and everybody will know their place and everything will be defined in a specific way as they imagined it. And I think a lot of us have this vision that wouldn't it be great if we got the right president or we got the right government or we got the right economic situation uh, in play where everything is prosperous? Wouldn't it be great if I had a health need and I went to the doctor and it, it, it barely cost me anything and I didn't have to worry about the fact that now I'm going to be on the phone for 30 hours talking to somebody who will say, you know what, I think you're talking to the wrong person. To me, that's not the kingdom of heaven. Those things all by definition point in the other direction. But how many of us have had those complexities of life where God has shown up and he has spoken into them in a way that said, only God can make that happen. Only God can make that happen. And some people saw it and some people didn't. And in the course of this message, my hope is that if you haven't been seeing it, that you will. That you'll start to see God in places that you never saw him before. You know, we don't, we don't always see very clearly. We were, we were hiking, a 12-mile hike, and we were coming down the, down the mountain and met a guy coming up and just kind of spoke to him briefly, and then we passed ways, and then he stopped and he's looking down, and he sees the snake, and it's just huge, and I'm like, I just walked over that. Well, it actually wasn't huge. It was only about like that. <laughs> but I'd never seen one like it before. And um, he looked pretty vicious. I know he's only about as big around as a pencil, but still, you never know. And he had a yellow ring around his neck. I don't know what kind of snake that was, but I told Mandy, I said, that's got to be a deadly one. We probably escaped just you know, by the threat of our lives. 
And of course, she's over there looking it up on her phone. No, nah, there's only two dangerous snakes around here, and that's not one of them. No, I'm sure it is. But I, I walked right over it, didn't see it, and could have been a rattler, could have been a copperhead, or could have been the Smoky Mountain version of a garden snake. Either way, deadly. Or not. I don't know. Don't know much about snakes. But when God puts stuff in front of us, he may be saying, do you know about this? Have you been paying attention? Luke has actually carefully crafted the record that he's given to Theophilus, if you remember the opening verses. I've carefully put together an ordered account for the sole purpose of persuading you to see who Jesus of Nazareth truly is. And in this event, he's showing us some information that has to do with a signpost to the end, and the Pharisees are taking this opportunity and allowing it to hopefully trip Jesus up. And Jesus says, hey, some people say, hey, look here or look there when the days of the Son of Man will come, and you, you still won't see it. And those days are coming, and as they're anticipating that, he unfolds it a little bit farther, not only pointing out their blindness to the things that God has clearly put right in front of them, but now he turns to the disciples who should see it, and they kind of have similar questions. And he said to them, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you won't see it. And they will say to you, look, or look here. Do not go out or follow them. And basically, he's kind of setting them up, if I could just tell you a little bit about what's happening here. They had this apprehension that when Jesus disappears, because he keeps talking about crucifixion, and they're not wanting to admit it. And he knows there will come a time when they long for him, they pine for him, they want him to be back the days of the three years that they'll never forget to be restored. They'll want that whole ex range of experiences to just never end. And he's saying, you're going to be looking for a Messiah. You're going to be looking for someone who will fill this void. And there are people who will say, hey, I'm, I'm him. But it won't, be, it won't be me. Because this is unfolding in a little bit different way than, than you could even see, and we read in Acts that they didn't see until the Holy Spirit came. But let's just unfold this again, uh, uh, another round. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many times and be rejected by this generation. Let's just stop for a minute. Jerry Zimmerman told me a story a while back about going hiking in Arizona, or I believe it was in Arizona, and being up on the, on the top of a mountain where there, was really, there were no features, no trees, or nothing. And the tallest thing that was there was himself. And I, th I believe he and Colin were there, and then guess what happened? Thunderclouds roll in, and the lightning just pours down. And he has no idea where it's going to strike. And I said, well, how tall are you? And he said, well, I'm such and such. How tall is your son? And he's like, well, he's a little taller than I am. I said, you're probably okay. 
But no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Honestly, I did not. But I did notice that uh, there is an unpredictability to it uh, when we were hiking up on the mountains. And I'm not going to bore you with all the, the details, but uh, there, were, there were these trees that were just dead, and they were burnt at the top. And I'm like, I can see where the lightning has been. But when the lightning comes, have you ever watched it? It doesn't come in any predictable path that you would ever expect. It's just all of a sudden, it's there. And he's saying, that's the way it's going to be. But before this happens, before we even get to that, he says, you've been experiencing the kingdom for sure. You've been experiencing what it's like to live under a set of rules that are the kingdom. You've been learning that you have dignity and place. You've been learning that you have worth, and you've been learning that God sees you in your struggle and wants to put his favor on you. You've been learning that there is a, a, do, a domain that you can live under that is the kingdom of God that is inside of whatever country or place that you're in. It is that place where that peace that passes all understanding exists. You've been learning about that. You've been experiencing that. But there's yet more to come. And it won't come until, well, until the human 2.0, which is what Jesus is when he says, I'm the son of man. I'm the guy that came to right the wrongs that Adam set into play. I'm the guy that provides a new path to follow that's beyond Adam. But before I get there, I'm going to suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Because the path of Adam has set into motion a whole range of behaviors and thoughts and ways of looking at life that have very little to do with God. You ever lived in a time like that? Where there are a lot of people who imagine Hey, we're in an enlightened moment. We have all the capabilities of accomplishing what we need to accomplish. We really don't need this ancient stuff called Christianity jamming us up. We don't need a Savior. We don't need a sacrifice. We don't need a Holy Spirit. We're enlightened. We're, we're humanity 2.0. And there's no question. There has never been a time like this for human beings to be alive. I mean, literally, we're, we're driving down the road without a question. Um, it was an obscure question. I said, just look it up on your phone. She looks it up, answered. It wasn't like, we'll get home, we'll pull out all the encyclopedias, we'll open them up, and we'll try to find it in there. No, we have this unprecedented access to things technological that make life very immediate and, in many ways, not stressful or difficult. But yet, why is it that you just have record amount of people who are anxious, who are depressed, who are really struggling with mental health? Why is it with all of these capabilities that we can bring to bear upon the well-being of a person that we're in pretty rough shape Unless this world that you and I live in was made by a God who said, 
this is, the, this is the only way it works on this planet. You can try to imagine it without me, but I'm the creator. I'm the manufacturer. I'm, I'm the one who put everything into motion. And while in your own wisdom, it may appear that you can accomplish all that stuff, it breaks down. You shut down. You become subhuman. And so it's a difficult moment for a lot of us because we're being promised 24-7 outside this venue. What we're doing here is ancient and should probably be discarded. There are people that feel that way. But you know what I found? The people that come to places like this, that with sincere hearts and healthy attachment to Jesus, are pretty balanced, pretty settled. They have a level of peace that does pass all understanding. And Jesus is trying to show that there is a quality that comes to bear upon the life of a person that is sufficiently attached to their creator through him. And as he keeps moving into that place with more radical expectation of the choice that we have to make, he says, I've got to be suffer. I've got to suffer. And let's move on. So as he describes that event needing to occur, he moves back to the Old Testament. You guys remember Noah? Genesis 7. Pretty good story. If you're Noah, if you're not, didn't really end well for pretty much everybody else except Noah and his family. He's saying, if you want to know when the final end's going to come, it's going to be like that. Those guys are carrying on, life is good, and then all of a sudden, Noah enters the ark. It doesn't say the waters came, it just says Noah entered the ark. And then the flood came and destroyed them all. So as they're looking at that and they're saying, we don't know what that means, the flood validates why Noah went into the ark. And then he gives another description of another Old Testament story that may or may not be familiar from Genesis, um, I believe it's 19. <clears throat> and it says, um, let's move on to the next scripture real quickly. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, when they were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But on that day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. If you've never read that story, I just recommend you go back to Genesis 19 and take a peek at it. But what Jesus is trying to do is capture their imagination with what this moment is going to look like. Not so much that he is enjoying and reveling in seeing his opponents get destroyed. Far from it. Brother, he's just saying that that's the way it works when people discount the purposes of God and live their own way. It just eventually doesn't end well. So then he, he says this, <clears throat> but remember Lot's wife. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetops with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. And he jumps to this phrase, remember Lot's wife. You guys, 
Remember Lot's wife? <clears throat> what form does she take now? Salt. I got corny jokes about this, but I'm just going to move on for sake of everything sacred. But what did Lot's wife do? She looked back. Why did she look backward? We don't really know, do we? Was she like, oh, that's amazing? Or was she like, I built a lifetime of memories, and now it's all just being destroyed? Or I left my favorite quilt back there. Or I don't know what. But quite possibly, she was attached to that more than she was the admonition to get out. And I think Jesus is sort of moving into this space with them. There is a sense of Lot was a religious person. Noah was a religious person. But I think it was deeper than that. There was a connection that they had with the Lord. Even though Lot had some sketchy characteristics to him, God saw that there was a purpose in what he was called to do. Well, let's, let's move on towards the end of the, of the passage. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed and one will be taken and the other one left. Two um, will be grinding grain together and one will be taken and the other one left. Where, Lord? Where, where, where is this, this going to happen? And he replied, where there is a dead body, the vultures will gather the end. Pretty inspirational sermon at church today, what they talk about. Well, it ended with vultures eating car, uh, carnage on the roadside, so you can imagine how inspirational that was. But in effect, what Jesus is doing is saying, I'm just trying to describe something. Something that could end very, very well or very, very bad. And God has absolutely no desire to see it end bad for anyone. I mean, if you've ever read John 3.16, you know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But do you ever think about John 3, 17? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, that is the whole thing, might be saved through him. Just as important. And Jesus is saying that if I could just boil this sermon down to maybe two things. He's saying that you have attachments. And it could be to your form of how you've constructed your religion in your mind and said this is the way it is between me and God. Or your attachment could be just, hey, the world, it's Sunday morning. It's my day off. Why, why, am, I, why am I in church? I could be doing a dozen other things. And so maybe there's an attachment to things that are calling out, that are saying worshiping God is not an important priority. Maybe there's an attachment that says, I do love God and I do love God's people, but I love that even more. Maybe you have a purple car and you're driving it through the Smokies and you're really just having a ball. You're attached to that experience in that moment. And then it all comes grinding to a halt. 
And maybe God's saying, where's your attachment? Well, I'm like, well, it's attached to this thing right now. Is that what you mean? No, that's not what I mean. Where's your attachment? At the end of the day, it's just a car. It's going to rust away. I'll try to keep that from happening, but it's going to rust away. But at the end of the day, it has a very temporary shelf life. Everything on this earth has a pretty temporary shelf life. Except for the most important attachments of all. And that is the attachment that we have to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And you know, I use that language because there are a lot of people who look at Christianity and they say, these are the reasons why I'm not a Christian. And, and you know, there's a recent poll taken by Barna. And one of them is because they hate gay people. And then there's a whole list of other things as to why they're bad. And I'd like to tell people I'm not a Christian because of this or that. I'm a Christian because I have an attachment to Jesus. And he says, whatever people I put in front of you, I'll give you the words to say if you ask me for the wisdom so that my purposes can be fulfilled in that conversation. And I think a lot of people have felt like if I just go to church, I do the right things, I believe the right things, I study the right things, but that's not really what God is looking for in the end. Now, don't get me wrong, those are vehicles to get to where he wants you to land. But the reality is, when a, when a baby's born into the world, attachment is such a big deal. It's why children sometimes who don't go through the experience of having a mother suckle them and give them attention and love and touch and that whole exchange of bonding that creates a lifelong attachment. That really is just an example not to minimize the significance of it, of the unseen reality that God wants to create between yourselves and him. He wants you to come here because, well, he's nourished you. He saved you. He's redeemed you. He's made you new. He's made you into actually a new human being. You're born again. And he wants you to leave this place attached to him because anything else that you are attached to, no matter what, is going to set you up for failure. The other thing that I think we're supposed to be attached to, like it or not, like me or not, each other. We're the body of Christ. We have a family attachment. This is an us-together type of experience. Jesus spoke a lot about that. When Noah was taken, who did he have with him? His family, albeit very, very dysfunctional, except for his wife, who was no longer able because she couldn't let go of the attachments. Did I say, no, I meant Lot. I'm sorry, Lot. And Noah, of course, who did he bring? His family. It's really 
an us together type of thing. And how many people are disconnected both from biological family but also a church family that goes on forever? And God sees them and he says, they're orphans and they need me. to bring the experience of that attaching love into the world. And the best place to find that is in a family of people that are healthily attached to one another where we, like any family, work through our stuff. We try to do the right thing. We ask God in a covenantal relationship, God, I've got some ideas, but what are your ideas for me in relation to my family. Jesus really has a tall challenge in front of him to create that when so many voices are saying, don't follow him. Don't go that way. It's not going to end well. And when they finally crucified him, he said, Father, forgive him. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what you're doing. They don't understand. But I do. And then as the church unfolds in Acts, you see a family start to grow and be created and expand because of everything that we learned here. So much so that in the book of Acts, Christians suffered. Many of the disciples actually became apostles, died pretty gruesome deaths. But none of them said, it wasn't worth it. Others, they just died peacefully. Then there were the people disconnected. And all they had at their graveside was just vultures. It'd be a parable for a modern funeral, because I've done so many of them and seen that happen. But it could just be a way of saying, it's too sad to die alone without the Lord. But what does the end look like? I don't know. I don't know what, what the end looks like. All I know is that if you are attached to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to really be too preoccupied with it. But know that when it comes, you have a job to do, and that is to share the good news with as many people as possible. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we end this time in your word, there are so many things that a 2,000 year distance make it difficult for us to comprehend exactly what you meant. But Lord, I think as we've looked at what you've said and we've zoomed out, I just pray that we see that it is a call to make a decision to follow you, to trust you, and to know that you will take care of us along the way. It is, a, it is a way of signaling to anybody that can read your signs that you are at work in subtle, powerful, and deeply meaningful ways that change our lives. And Lord, for that, we thank you. Lord, we are getting ready to meet you around a table that symbolizes what you established in that initial covenant family where you've said, this is my body that is broken for you. This is my cup that represents the blood that was shed for you. 
And Lord Jesus, as we've laid claim to those elements and we get ready to commemorate them, thanking you for the subtle ways that you have invaded our lives, spoken to us, healed us, helped us, helped us to overcome. We come to this table thanking you for your hospitality, for even opening it up to us. But we come here also with gratitude, knowing that you accomplished what you needed to accomplish by suffering on the cross so that something could be created out of that very painful moment that would last forever. Thank you for making us a covenant family so that we may receive your blessing through these emblems. But thank you as well for taking it beyond us into a missional outreach where we want to bring the blessings we've received to bear upon lives that are looking for other saviors and not finding them anywhere. So bless the loaf and the cup as we end the message, as we meet at your table. I pray that you would just work in every heart, speak to us, and enable us to hear your voice in this moment on this day. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So at this time, um, if you would, uh, just open up your communion cups. And we'll take a minute or two and reflect upon what God is doing in our lives. Asking him for help. Asking him for guidance. Forgiveness. Asking him to just receive thanks for what he's done. Well, we've kind of ended a little bit on a somber note, and I kind of want to jerk your emotions in the other direction about some exciting news that we have. Uh, as you know, we've been looking for a person to be a youth director for quite some time. We've been praying about that. We've had a team put together who've cold uh, candidates and resumes and had interviews, and um, is probably no secret to many of you, some of you, maybe it's new information. Uh, but um, one of the candidates that really jumped out was um, a, a lady named uh, Amy Bordenaro, and uh, she's gonna kill me if I butchered it, but um, she's actually just a gem. If any of you have met Amy, um, she's an answer to prayer. 
she has a good heart. She's grounded. She's experienced in youth ministry. She has a family. She has a powerful testimony. And I spoke to her for two and a half hours a few weeks ago. I had zero red flags. Zero. It was almost like she had been satting in worship with us for the last year because we just spoke the same language. And I got done with the conversation, and I'm like, Lord, how, how can that happen? And he's like, well, you prayed about it, didn't you? But I am just thrilled uh, that Amy's coming on board. Now, obviously, it's the elders' rec recommendation. The elders hire. The elders put together the team. I'm just one voice in saying, yeah, I think I can work with this person. And I think Brittany can work with this person. And I think Brian can work with this person on staff. But even beyond that, I think the, the youth leaders can work with this person. Matter of fact, I just think she is somebody that once you get to know her, you'll be saying, it's like I've known her forever. Anybody who's talked to her could probably say that without hesitation. So I'm just super excited. Amy's going to come on board on June, uh, July 5th. So that will be after the 4th of July, of course, Tuesday. And um, I'll be on vacation. I'm, I'm kind of touching base here, and I'm going out to see my mom. Um, I'll be back around that time. Um, but uh, if you have any questions or anything, certainly you can call me or text me or whatever. I'd, I'd love to have uh, you guys ask or the elders or anyone else. And uh, I'm really looking forward to welcoming Amy uh, to our, our church here. And I'm excited about the days ahead. If you have kids in dance in um, Columbiana or kids in school over at um, uh, Heartland, um, or you know Kendall Austin, uh, who, who highly recommend her because you worked with her. So she's not even an unknown quantity here. Um, and if Kendall says she's a good one, I'll just take your word at it. Um, now, I'll just say this. Be praying for her transition into our ministry here and for us as a family that God would do good things uh, on the road ahead. Okay. You want to stand? We'll close with a song. good when there's nothing good in me you are love you are love on display for all to see you are light you are light when the darkness closes in you are hope you are hope you have covered all my sins you are you are peace when my fear is crippling you are true you are true even in my wandering you are joy you are joy you're the reason that i sing you are life you are life in you death has lost its sting i
Nice week. Hope to see you next week.